We're listening you know, to Mary Trump's podcast. Just with some observations about Mary what's Trump going on alive. at CNN and how it it just kind of frames uh, the the scary times we're living in. Now, I I've never really watched CNN. I found that um, after the 2016 election, their hiring of Donald sycophants and campaign people and, uh, you know, people connected to uh, his campaign and to him. I found it really, really uh, disturbing because these clearly were were people with an agenda. It's not just that they weren't objective. They had an agenda. They went on to CNN to filibuster, to lie, to dissemble and to spread disinformation. Well, now uh, that the the network has been taken over by a guy who literally (laughs) called to have uh, for prayers, I guess, to have Donald uh, reelected. We're seeing very, very quickly how the network is reorganized around this principle of keeping Donald relevant and... um, bolstering the GOP Ouch. and ultimately, I guess, to, to uh, get Donald reelected and to bash the Democrats at every opportunity. Um, I mean, fuck. almost immediately we Shut saw... Shut down the corporate uh, media monopoly. How Five corporations own all of weekly, our media. Uh, some of the pundits Fucking monopoly, on break it up. fell into line. Hi, John. I'm just talking about can't get any news uh, briefly, in this I mean, country. we don't need to go into this a lot, but just the, the new developments at CNN, and you know, the the fact that I don't I don't really think that it's it's a, a huge departure of where CNN has been since at least 2016, but it it now feels like it is um, part of mission oh. statement, right? To uh, diminish voices of sanity and objectivity um, and to eschew sort of moderate um, and by moderate I just mean not crazy, not over the top um, observations and uh, you know even if they're partisan uh, moderate takes on what's going on with a sort of top down insistence that the Republican agenda and Republican talking points be referenced. And, you know, I think we saw this kick into effect almost immediately right after Biden's speech when when people like Jake Tapper and um, Brianna Keller uh, just focused in on the fact that Joe Biden had two Marines standing behind him and didn't even care about the substance of the speech, which they inaccurately framed as a political speech. Um, so I, I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on where CNN is headed and where that puts us uh, in terms of being disadvantaged on the left from having any places left to go find information that is accurate and not either misinformation or disinformation. Yeah, so, um, you know, before, the first time I ever was on cable television was on CNN. And I think it was on, um, is it called Newsroom or News Hour with Brooke Baldwin? 
um, she, she and she was wonderful. And this is this is during around 2017. And their co-host there, I'd been on. Um, I've met, I wasn't on with Jake Tapper. I had met him. I've been on with Don Lemon and various people. And then later I switched over just based on who would contact me. Bookers contacted me from MSNBC. But there's definitely a change with the change in ownership and the new leadership um, at CNN put in after, you know, uh, Jeff Zucker left. Um, it seems to be, hey, watch, it seems to be, you know, pushing what their political viewpoint is. And, the, you know, I think um, the newscasters and the opinion folks who are on air have a choice. And, you know, it's not just about money. It's about ego and it's about power. But you have no power if you're a puppet. You know, you have, you know, you have no real voice if you're just reading someone else's script. Um, and so, you know, there are folks there who it's like, are you an actor or are you a thinker? Um, and you can have a very good sort of mental apparatus that can ask questions or use logical reasoning. But it doesn't mean that you have any vision or any political views or thoughts of your own. So we're separating here. It might be that's what's happening is, you know, it's like separating the sheep from the goats or whatever they say. We're learning who has ideas of their own and who's an opportunist. Um, not that there's anything wrong with ambition, but one would hope that you are genuine, you know? And so I think we're seeing with people, um, maybe with Jake, you know, that he is using his excellent education and his power to maintain it. And now he's become an empty suit. And that's yeah. not, that's a shame. That's kind of your legacy. And you know what? It's, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a very uh, quick slide and the slippery slope. You look at someone like Giuliani, and I know he was always an opportunist, but remember, he was, quote, America's mayor, and he had cultivated that. Unless you're but a now, but during he, he was actually a strong figure during 9-11. And well, even if that was, it turns out that was just a performance, because now he's actually not contradicting the 9-11 deniers. I mean, in addition to everything other horrible thing that he has done. So you come to find out as you get to be an older person in this world that some people are, are better actors than we thought that they were. Um, and you make a choice. So that, that, so the answer really is, you know, in terms of media ownership, is, you know, you, me, and Wodge need to cast, you know, pass around the hat and by our own television network. I, you know, I have a background in news. I was, you know, high school no, news okay. editor, co-editor, and I was features editor of my college paper. That should suffice. Um, I've been on your show. If you just hand me some money, I'm sure you, me, and Wodge could do a better job. But that's, that's where we are now. So CNN, I think, is lost as being sort of middle-of-the-road arbiter. They're, they're getting instructions. And, and let me say one last thing. I was appalled at what Jake Tapper said. I think it was referring to Asha Rangapa. She seems to have stepped up. That yeah. he didn't name her, but to 
someone who I consider a friend, Ellie Honig, said to him, what do you think about all these MSNBC legal commentators who have attacked you and now you've been vindicated? And, and have they apologized to you? They apologized to you. And it was just, and, and Asha stepped up via Twitter and said, it was just a tweet argument. I wasn't attacking him personally. And I said in response, look, like it looks like Ellie was caught off guard. I hope he says something. Address that. Yeah. I haven't seen a tweet or anything. It, it was, yeah, exactly. And I, I'm actually hugely disappointed because he's telling We lost you. I just hope that he makes there a different go. choice. Well, uh, listen, I think, I think you, one of the problems is that, that this pressure is created to conform and, uh, you know, like, I, I, I get it. I, I I understand that there are moments when you don't want to rock the boat or or you get defensive. Fine, but have a little integrity. And first of all, welcome, Gentab and Wajali. Uh, and before we start, though, I just want to make sure, because this is very important, that neither one of you is wearing golf shoes. So are we good? No yes. golf shoes? Thank you. Because um, this is, you're muted, Jen. Um, so, actually, what shoes are you wearing? I want some proof. Just tell me. I'm I'm wearing Innovate. Uh, I don't know what they are. I I'm wear them when I lift weights. Because I don't like to tie shoes, even though unlike your uncle, but do you like know? Tie my you shoes? know how exactly. Uh, I'm South Asian. If I wear shoes in the home, I'd get disowned. So I'm wearing socks. That's right. That's oh. right. And that's that's fair. Um, but so good. But if you were wearing shoes, they wouldn't be golf shoes. No, I've, I've never worn golf shoes in my life. Danielle, however, is wearing Hi, golf shoes. Danielle uh, well, is the right. elite golfer among us. Mute her. Mute her. No golf shoes. Can I just say something about golf? After mm -hmm. what I got, what I was uh, after working, after going to law school, and then actually, really, and, do, do I want you to say something about yeah, golf? You do. It's not a. And I went in house. Um, and I was working at Fidelity Investments, and even though I was going to be a public interest lawyer, somehow I followed this path because, you know, money is fascinating and <laughs> stuff like that. And uh, so there I am, and I thought to myself, you know, I missed a bet. I would have been better off learning to play golf than going to any of the schools that I went to. But I wish someone had actually, t at that time, I was like, well, if my goal is power, I've made some bad choices. Well, and I'm really glad now that I suck at golf and that I don't have the attention span for, you know, a sports ball. And I know, sorry, watch you do. Um, so, yeah, anyhow, that's what I learned. I, I, I should have just born, born a white guy and things would have been much better. But I was going to say, I don't think playing golf uh, redounds your benefit unless you're a white guy. Um, and no matter what, it's a total waste of fucking time. So don't do it. Um, anyway, it's because tennis is the only real sport. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I'm staking my claim. That is that is my that is my opinion that will not be modified by pressure. Um, but you know, even though to Jen's point, I have no background in any of this shit, but you know, I have opinions and everybody on this show needs to be heard more. And I you know, this isn't what we're here to talk about today, but just to get the word where are our billionaires? Seriously. Uh, you know, you guys out there have so much money. I'm not saying don't cure malaria. Please do. I'm not saying, you know, don't create affordable housing so people can live with dignity. Please do. But, you know, there's, you still have more money. And probably 
the the lack of a very robust liberal media um, is what did I say? Sorry. Um, lack of a robust. I totally distracted myself because. Well, I'll get to why in a second. But the, are not having a robust liberal media is why we're in so much trouble. It's yeah. one of the main reasons. Right? You could say the same thing about, uh, is the Supreme Court the most important thing? Yes, but we're not going to get a Supreme Court that's going to make America a democracy and a place where it's a good place to live for all people, et cetera, et cetera, unless we have a huge democratic majority. So we have to focus on the immediate thing that is going to create the most positive outcomes. And I think having a media channel uh, that can have that, that much influence, I, is one of those most immediate things, um, right? And watch, I just want to say this calculation that this, I don't even know his name, this guy at CNN, his calculation that his best way to go is to become Fox Light or whatever, or, you know, maybe maybe OAN. I, I don't know quite where he's going with this. Like, do people really think that that's the only viable economic model is just to keep people angry and paranoid? Well, I mean, just to unpack a lot of what you said, you know, this is not just a grievance that, oh, we're in this field tangentially or, you know, podcast or occur on MSNBC. I hate mentioning his name because it makes me vomit in my mouth. But Steve Mannon, who, by the way, had to turn himself in, did say a few interesting things about the media. And he's on point. And specifically what he has said is that we're not at war with the Democrats. We're at war with the media. And that was a very astute observation he gave a couple of days ago. And he realized that media is the tip of the spear in his war. They consider this a war. This is a war for civilization. And specifically, it is to save, quote unquote, Western civilization. We're dealing with Christian nationalists and white nationalists. So he's like, don't worry about the Democrats. You just have to win over the media. Flood the zone with shit. Keep them occupied. They're like the dog from up. They'll chase the squirrel. Right. Uh, Disinformation, I would say, is one of the top five threats, not just to democracy globally, but also, I would say, to human rights, to science, to education. Right. Mm -hmm. If they own the channels of media, which I think they do, I think the right wing dominates. Look at the podcasts. Some of the most mediocre people. I listen to their podcasts sometimes. I'm like, I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm like, all right, maybe I can like give them props for being witty and smart and having like strong radio voices. You got Ben Shapiro. You're like, the bar is low. And then you look at, you know, local TV news with Sinclair. Uh, you look at the, the online digital media. You look at Fox, right? And so the right-wing billionaires in particular have just spent so much money on creating this ecosystem, which not only misinforms a third of America, but based on the conversation that I walked in with you and Jen is due to the fatal mistake of creating a both-sides narrative, it bleeds into the mainstream, and now you you switch the Overton window further and further and further to the right. And so the calculation of people like Chris Licht, who replaced Jeff Zucker at CNN. Uh, that's the same, thank you. Yeah, he has an audience of one. His audience is John Malone. 
the libertarian right-wing billionaire who's the friend of Donald Trump, who gave money to the Donald Trump PAC and is the biggest, uh, you know, a shareholder in this new merger between uh, oh Discovery and Warners. And he openly said Figure. there should be more Fox News. We need more balance. The media is too liberal. So Chris Lick <laughs> goes here to D.C. and courts mostly Republicans and asks them, how can we make our coverage better so you can come on, right? And it's one of those situations where you're sitting there thinking to yourself, why is any news channel asking any elected official of any party how to make it better, right? And I can tell you as a person who was at CNN for a year that in the green room, nearly every single Trumper except two, and I'll name them, Paris Denard was a true believer and the guy who got fired for doing the Nazi symbol, Jeffrey Lord. Everyone else, because I don't care about these people anymore because they're right. throwing democracy under the bus. Right. In the green room, both before and after our, our segments, they used to sit there and mock Trump, mock MAGA, and say how much they hated him. Then they went on TV with me and debated me and repeated MAGA talking points. Yep. And the reason why they did it was because this is how their bread was buttered. Yep. When you see people like... You know, why is Tapper doing what he's doing? Why is Brianna Keeler all of a sudden 180? Zelensky 180? Because the memo went out that this is what the boss Chris Licht wants. Zelensky? And in media, in, excuse me? You said Zelensky. Is Volodymyr Zelensky? No, Zelensky, sorry. Uh, not Zelensky. Uh, Zaslav. David Zaslav. I'm very confused. I didn't Zelensky. know that's, Volodymyr that's Zelensky the plot. The Sorosian plot. He's very busy, man. Yeah, he's very busy. No, I'm sorry. Chris Lick, <laughs> you know, the memo went out, and, and the firing of Brian Stelter and the firing of John Harwood was a shot across the bow. It was like, you better get in line or else. Mm-hmm. Now you see Keeler. Uh, uh, the, the other gentleman who's not Zelensky, whose name I'm forgetting. Starts with uh, a Z, but that's yeah. Right. And then you're seeing now also Tapper. They're like, oh crap! And and for the people who are watching, why are they behaving on this? Let me give you. Let me just explain to you. In media, the most lucrative job, the the creme de la creme, is anchor uh, on CNN, MSNBC, Fox. You have a short lifespan. After that lifespan. You just disappear for the most part. Yeah. So you hold on to it like Charlton Heston with your cold, dead hands for as long as you can. Yeah. The second most lucrative job is commentator, analyst. You get paid anywhere from 70 to 120 if you're Rick Santorum, $200,000 to appear as a talking head. It's one of the most coveted jobs. You hold on to it for dear life. So this explains the calculation that they're like, okay, if this is how my bread is buttered, and if this is the talking points from Chris Licht and John Malone, do I, do I sit here and toe the line, and once in a while do I hit and get my jab and keep my job? Or do I risk my neck and get fired like Brian Stelter, and now you have seen what's been done? And, and the final point of what, you're, of what you're talking about, the media, Kurt Bardella has said this a lot. I've been saying it. You're saying it. Air America uh, was before its time. The billionaires, if they create a very, quote-unquote, liberal media, which is a counter to Fox, but also has journalistic ethics, I believe in this day and age, in 2022 America, as the majority is realizing our rights are under assault from a fascist movement, I believe that network or that movement will get the eyeballs. And and I'll give you an example. Acosta, who's at CNN right now, mm-hmm. he just tweeted that his hour, his demographic, got the highest ratings. If you guys remember, Al Franken was trending for two days because he just completely destroyed... I'm forgetting her name. I used to debate her all the time. And I'll just throw her under the bus out, too, because I'm sick and tired of it. The woman... uh, I'm forgetting her name. I'm I'm sick, guys. Forgive me, but... Is it Alice? Alice. 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 
Alice was the one. We they used to put me on with Alice all the time. Professional. We used to get along. Hates Trump. Hates Trump. Look at her. Look at how she has become after four years. So the fact that he completely destroyed Alice Stewart. Alice Stewart. Trending for two days. All everyone is like, why can't friggin' people do this? Why can't Democrats do this? He literally just said the facts. Called her out on it. Acosta yep. said nothing. If you guys paid attention, it was incredible. Acosta usually. You remember Acosta was the guy who used to like. Yeah. He said nothing. He was like, uh. But yep. what he did was he gave Franken the, the opportunity to just destroy her. Yep. Franken just said the facts. Yep. He got the highest demographic. So it is, you see the majority following it, but with Licht and all the other folks, what they're chasing, and someone told me this, they're chasing 10,000 eyeballs. They're chasing the old demographic that is still attached to cable, the old heads who sit on their sofa and watch TV, and they're doing all this for just 10,000 eyeballs. And billionaires do not want liberal media. Because billionaires at the end of the day realize if liberals get power, people like Elizabeth Warren and her ideas become mainstream. And so many of my rich friends who vote Democrats, they think she's going to increase the taxes and bring in socialism. So billionaires are not our friends. Thank you for for my speech. Yeah. So what? It's like a lost leader for them. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's just like the the Fox model. They don't make money. You know, I, I don't. What's his name? Tucker Carlson. I don't think has any sponsors left. So they they, they are willing to lose money on the front end yep. to gain it uh, in terms of uh, to gain political power, which is infinitely more lucrative. Um, you know, which is both effective but deeply, deeply cynical. Um, Danielle, I just want to find out how much bro- t- time uh, cop reporter Brian Harris has. Brian, how much time do you have? Because if you have. Uh, I gotta- I got about five or ten minutes, and then uh, there's all kinds of stuff going on at the White House. Okay, so I'm going to shift gears to you uh, since we have you for only a brief period of time. I just want to make sure you're not wearing golf shoes, and if you are not, then you can go ahead. Catch us up on uh, golf shoe gate or whatever the fuck. Oh, by the way, just a quick um, PSA. If you're going to play golf, bring your clubs. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah. Uh, Well, look... The, the, uh, the cover story was that he was talking about an upcoming event with uh, the people at the golf course and how they would have to change the uh, the uh, position of holes and stuff like that. And that's there's a lot of holes in that story. If you see the pictures of who were there, and I was standing there briefly uh, yesterday trying to gander it at McCarthy and some guy with a, you know with a worse uh, bald spot in the back than I've got. Um, it's all crap. And what bottom line is is I know there are members of the DOJ who are very interested in that um, particular meeting and what was going on in that meeting. I heard nothing about what they suspect, only that they were very interested in it. Um, but you won't hear about that much in the, in, in the press. And to Waj's point, that's uh, that's one of the bigger problems that we have in the press today is being able to get out and actually do some decent reporting because we don't have reporters that are worth a damn. But that's just my <laughs> bias against the media. I, I, I just met a, a reporter here at the White House who has all of three weeks' experience before they became a White House reporter. Wow. So it's, uh, Impressive. It's, uh, it's a little nuts here. What can I tell you? So all of us can do Brian's job. That's good to know. Yeah, it's a fallback. Yep. Uh, so, Brian, what else is... Um... <laughs> but watch, I'll take... Uh, you know what? Go ahead. Go, me? Yep. Oh, I was going to say, 
just going to say, watch, I'll just push back a little bit. I think that there's no such thing as liberal media, it's, and there's no such thing as conservative media. It's only money. It's all about, at the end of the day, making money. Those those people in the boardroom are definitely not liberal. The, the six or seven companies that uh, own most of what we see or read or hear, they don't care about liberal agendas. They only care about money, so they'll go wherever the money is. That's how cynical I am about it at this point. I don't think this any doubt that it's all money and and here's the problem we're trying to cover what's going on with trump at the golf course and there are people that simply won't send their reporters out to do the story there's very nbc sent a crew and a couple others but you know back in the day that was and, and I'll, I'll point to a couple of things where you can see where the media has changed it's not just in political coverage take a look at how we're covering the new moonshot how we're covering the new space race you barely see or hear that at all but remember why i was a kid every launch was uh, an event on all three networks every event every launch was something that the country rallied around we don't get that covered at all politics is covered covered uh farcically and so uh you know i'll i'll, I'll end my rant with that but <laughs> well it's good to be at the white house and and all the all the silliness going on among my brethren look i i think we we can um we can uh, debate whether or not uh it is a good or bad thing that we don't cover the the um yes if the queen were on the moon it would be covered uh 24 hours a day for the rest of our lives, presumably. Um, but it's it's what um, <clears throat> we cover at the expense of what we don't cover. That is, it is continues to be shocking. And um, you know, there. Well, yeah. I, I, <laughs> see, the thing is, the. the this thing in, in Britain is going to go on until at least September 19th, which is just quite something. And uh, apparently every day, it's, that's still news. I don't I don't understand why. Anyway, um, I think that there is... Somebody got... Uh, the, the next... Keep your eyes open for the next... In the line. Drop, she was going to drop in the next hearing. To we'll see be the together queen. for that on the 28th. But I'm giving you a heads queen. up. You're going to be surprised at what you see on the 28th. Well, tell us more, man. Is that a speculation, or is that something you know that you can or cannot share? Something I was told today. Something I was told today by a member of the committee. That you will begin off, and just off the record. <laughs> well, off the record, I can't. Hey, off the record, we'll talk off the record. <laughs> but uh, all I can say. is, it's going to be a, a vital interest to everyone. So, you know, tough room, you know? Hey. <laughs> no, wait, I mean, wait. <laughs> Forget it. Go wait, ahead. Is it. Do you know if the hearing's at night or daytime, y'all? We don't know yet. Okay. We don't know yet. And I, I don't even know if that date has been uh, is set in stone, um, but I've heard it from enough sources that I'm willing to say that that's when it's happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I, I just want to, no, there is no such thing as the liberal media. Um, I'm not so sure about whether or not there's uh, not a, there's state-run media. <laughs> Well, you know, quote unquote, stay run media at Fox, uh, et cetera. But the the fact that it's it's just another instance in which the right co ops language and you know, for, bye Brian, thank you for the uh, Cub Reporter update. Um, 
you know, it's just another way in which the right has 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 gotten its talking point to stick. Because Danielle, I mean, we've been hearing about the so-called liberal media for decades now, and you know, are they? And again, like mainstream media. Acts as if it's it's a thing, so they bend over backwards not to be painted with that label. It's it's quite so uh, it, it's quite a, uh, a cycle we have going. Yeah, it, it's a shit cycle, and it is the cycle that is continuing to happen because of who's in the newsroom and who's in who's in control of those newsrooms, right? Like, you know, we it is a money making scheme, and when when journalism became infused with capitalism, and it was about ratings and advertisement, and it was no longer about sharing truth and understanding in order to educate our citizenry, and everything be, became about Clorox and you know, and, and Lipton tea and this, that, and the other thing, like, that's when we all began to lose. Because it isn't about, I mean, for fuck's sake, if I have to watch one more day of nonstop coverage of the Queen, and I've been asking, and I've talked to anchors who are tired, they are like, why are we doing this? I don't understand. I'm like, don't did it? Talk about Trump. We talk flee about Trump. England for a reason? <laughs> like, I, like, I'm confused. Like, didn't no, y'all's people come here on a boat and claim this land because you wanted to get away from the monarchy, and yet here we are just, like, celebrating it? And, you know... We and, fought and them, we Danielle. Are, we fought them. That, I mean, that's, 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 that's what I thought. That, fought that's a whole what I war. thought. It was, I thought it was a whole war. I thought there was tea in an ocean. I thought that war. there was... I thought that there was a lot of things that transpired in order to create a government formed by the people. And what I what troubles me consistently about the media is that there's just a series of missed opportunities. Because mm-hmm. to be honest, we could be having a real conversation about the monarchy. We could be having a real conversation about theft and genocide and the debts that have incurred across African nations and Caribbean nations because of having been robbed by the the, the British um, for centuries, right? We could talk about sovereignty and what that means and looks like right now. We could be having these conversations. And, you know, you know the, the problem, too, is that when we do, people love to push back on me and they say, well, Danielle, you know, I don't know why you're getting all hot and bothered because the queen was just a figurehead. She has no real power. And I said, so I'm confused because you clearly don't know anything about me. Everything is about fucking PR and conversation and words have power. So this queen over the 70 years that she was reigning could have elevated, right? And talked about, had conversations, roundtables, spoke in front of parliament about violence, about genocide, mm-hmm. right? About theft, about all of these things, but she didn't. You steal people's wealth and then you make them worship royalty yep. and think that you are some type of deity because of a bloodline? It's yep. bullshit. And so I, 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 it maddens me when people want to talk about the fact that she had no control over politics and policy when I'm like, she had control over a microphone. She addressed mm-hmm. the, the commonwealth you know, on a regular basis and said absolutely nothing. That's on one hand. And then the other is just about mainstream media, which frankly, we all need to abandon and understand is dead, right? For those 10,000 eyeballs that 
Waj was talking about, that's all that is there. I spend a majority of my day and my time on social media and on streaming platforms for a reason. Because it's where the people are. And it's where people want to have real conversations, unfiltered conversations. They are tired of being lied to. They are tired of the euphemisms. And they just want people to cut the shit. And if you want people who are going to cut the shit and give you the actual information you need, you ain't going to cable news, right? You're just not going there. I get more followers from doing your show here, Mary, than any hit that I do on on cable news. Why? Because people want to come here for unfiltered conversations that aren't being dictated by some far-off body in a newsroom that actually only cares about shareholders and CEOs and not their responsibility as the fourth estate to the security of our democracy. Yeah, it uh, just proves the point that um, people want truth, they want honesty, and this is the thing that I've, I've yeah, I get the most been understanding less and less. Oh, by the way, just to, to your point about the uh, coverage of what's happening, not that nothing's happening in England anymore, guys. Okay, nothing's happening anymore. Mary, do you agree? F the monarchy. May I just say? Yes, fuck the monarchy. I'll say fuck the monarchy, and uh, you know, and everything it stands for. And uh, to Daniel's other point about um, whether or not the Queen was a figurehead that's sort of like not not fault not faulting her not not um pretending as if she had no responsibility is sort of like saying that the president of the united states it doesn't matter what he says because what difference does it make really uh, his power is only political it's absurd i mean what you say matters what you stand for matters and again i'm you know if somebody like her we're seeing how much power is invested in these people simply by their reaction I mean, come on. Like, if she says something, like, it's not going to influence people. It's patently absurd. And, yes, we are missing a huge opportunity to talk about, one, like, what is it with the, you know, American uh, psyche that, that seems to be so enamored of a monarchy that we shed blood to escape, first of all. And that, you know, we don't have serious conversations about the ongoing impact of monarchy and colonialism and genocide. It's just, it, you know, we just keep missing the boat. And and the other thing I wanted to say before, I think we should shift gears. Um, is the reason I got distracted before is there was a knock on my door and I was very concerned that it might be the FBI uh, serving me with a search warrant, but it wasn't. So we're all good still. I still have not been searched by the FBI. So excellent. And I'm not wearing golf shoes. So it's, it's all, it's all just, as it should be. Um, but this whole idea that uh, the only thing that sells in the media is anger um, and paranoia. Well, okay, paranoia, that's bad. But I'm I'm really fucking angry. <laughs> so to what, like there's no anger on the left that wouldn't get people to stop and pay attention? Come on. I mean, I'm not suggesting we go ranting and raving like, lun- you know, lunatics like what's his name? Um you know, the white guy with the beard and the... Alex Jones. Uh, oh, he has a beard now? My bad. I, I, doesn't he always? I don't... Yeah. I just see him as red and eating chili all the time, but, you know... And hopefully uh, impoverished, because people are going to keep suing him for being evil. 
But, you know, I'm not suggesting out of control renting. I'm just saying that there's so many legitimate reasons for us to be angry and to like it's always on the Republicans are never expected to do anything productive. They're never expected to be decent. So when they're unproductive and indecent, then they get a pass. Democrats are always um, expected to make common cause with, to compromise, and when they don't do that, because it's pretty bad to compromise with fascists, uh, they get all of the blame for the dysfunctions in our system, right? Yeah, uh, Waj, go ahead. Can I say something real quick? And I know Jen yeah. wants to say something, but just to your point, just to explain to the folks, because I know there's a lot of folks in the comment section, I read your comments. Hello, comment, commentators and, and Hi, commentators. listeners. Uh, I, I try sometimes to, to respond to you, but... Uh, for those who don't know how this works, and to, to your point right now, Mary, I had a TV producer who told me the following. Last year, they were trying to do a show, a political conversation show. Two liberals, two conservatives, usual yada yada. Okay. <laughs> you know, I made the final cut. I went and did the auditions, whatever. Okay. The producer was telling me the following. The bar is so low for conservatives right now that we just need to find a conservative or Republican who, number one, doesn't believe in the big lie and number two isn't an outright white supremacist <laughs> that's it and now, now this, this is what's really frightening i it's love outright, yeah, outright. Love exactly. outright. Exactly. just keep it a little bit of a secret don't be so bold about we it have. So just go okay. half. never go full white supremacist it's <laughs> like tropical thunder don't go full bro just stay half so so and then the producer told me we're having a really tough time finding even that so to your point you know and how everything is skewed judging from the the, the initial conversation for those who followed us is think about what happens when you create a symmetry in an asymmetrical situation and of both sides when anyone to the left or the right is expected not only to be factual never to be angry not radical but then the right wing, just by virtue of being Republican, you can literally launder anything yep. because they need to have the other side. So they can come on with me or you or Jen or Danielle. We have to be on point. But they could literally say anything they want. Just don't be full white supremacist or go all in the big <laughs> lie. And the Overton window keeps shifting to the right. And I always tell people this. If indeed you're doing it down the middle, CNN, who is the liberal equivalent of the right? That's right. Maybe there is one people. I can't think of one at all because the uh, liberal equivalent of somebody on the right would be somebody who is anti-humanity. <laughs> you know, I just, I literally can't think, especially because right now the extremists on the right are mainstream Republicans. Extremists on the left are not in the party at all. And again, whatever extremism means, I mean, I guess if you're a full-blown, card-carrying communist, I don't know. I don't know any. Uh, so I, I have no clue what they're even talking about. And, and when they put it in those terms, right, Waj, they legitimize that kind of discourse. And I think we need to stop talking about both siderism. If you are, quote-unquote, both sizing anything, you're pro-Republican at this point. That's, that's how I, I feel about that particular issue. Uh, Jen? Yeah, I thought you said we were moving on, and I was gonna make some. We are, but you can, we can do whatever we want here because we are. We do not have any media overlords. We don't telling us other. Well, I, I mean, but where's my script? I mean, <laughs> you didn't get it. I, I thought I emailed it to you. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Next uh, time. Yeah, you know, so I'm thinking a lot about. You know, very often with American politics and political history, there can be like 
a, a teaching moment. So, you know, when we had the hanging chads back in 2000, right. we learned something about the Constitution. Around the time of the insurrection, there are different, different fragile moments in history that create an opportunity for education. You know, and the terrible joke, though it's true about Americans, that how do we learn geography? It's when we go to war and so on. But, you know, the, the, we didn't go to war, you know, directly in Ukraine, and people are learning a lot about that part of the world. So similarly, the death of Queen Elizabeth and these new protocols for just sort of seamlessly deciding that there will be a transfer of sort of like quasi-authority, I don't know what you call the constitutional monarchy role, but the idea that they're going to use primogeniture, this kind of, you know, the, the, all this, this, you don't have to just look at it and, and buy into the pageantry. This could be an opportunity to learn. And some of the things to learn, you can only learn if you ask not like royalists on to talk about it, but people who follow this stuff for other reasons. So let me give you one example. As you know, I'm working on a new book about tax policy. And one of the biggest issues that, have been, that has been of concern in the U.S. for decades is the use by wealthy individuals and large corporations of offshore what's called either secrecy jurisdictions. Oh, there's the old book. There's only one chapter on tax. The new one's going to have even more. Thanks. I just <laughs> love that that's up there. I always look on your shelf when you're when you're doing your hits for it. Thanks. Um, I think it's behind me. Somewhere. All right, just to be clear, mine is in that thing, but you can't really see it. <laughs> Watch, I have, I have mine too. <laughs> We should just have everybody's books like right okay, behind us. I'm not trying to sell anything. I just want to make a point. Okay, so except buy her book, book on, on tax evasion, essentially, and tax avoidance and, and structuring. And one of the one of the common themes people say, oh, these places like the Cayman Islands or Jersey and the Channel Islands, and you hear these things, and as an American, you think Cayman. Uh, oh, the movie The Firm. Right, or you think That's we right. have these little things that we think, but you don't think Cayman, um, King Charles, but you should because mm -hmm. the, just yesterday or the day after he was he acceded to the throne or the, he became the leader of the Cayman Islands because the Cayman Islands are a British overseas territory. Mm -hmm. Similarly. Jersey and the Channel Islands, also known to be an offshore secrecy jurisdiction, which has recently been a haven for Russian oligarchs with links to Putin. Whoa. That is not even a British overseas territory. It's actually a dependency of the crown directly under huh. now King Charles III. So these things, it'd be really interesting to say, well, what actually, you know, and, and, and you know, think about the, so the Commonwealth countries, you know, is, what's a Commonwealth? Is that a colony? Or is it something independent? There's a lot that we could study here. Um, as it relates to America, even if we have to make it America-centric. Anyhow. Well, that always is that always helps because Americans are so American-centric. That's why but we I think know it, anything. I think it's, you know, because there's constantly this conversation about corporations, this whole new idea of this alternative minimum tax that just got passed. It literally just got passed. Maybe can someone ask, well, how does this affect... Is, you know, does this mean all the stuff they're doing offshore will be covered, or is that going to be sort of sheltered through some of the exceptions that Kristen Cinema put in? And I don't fully have the answers, but I just—it's like we have this split mentality. It's like in America, we're supposed to be like 
suddenly we're looking at power as problematic again. Suddenly we're thinking, you know, big is bad, tax the rich. But oh, look at the monarchs. Ooh, ooh. And right. I, I say that I'm, I'm partially as guilty because I kind of like... I think it's kind of amusing in a kitsch kind of way, and I realize that I, maybe I'm feeding into the, the celebration of it. I don't know. Can, can, um, but. can I, on, on, I, I hate to shamelessly promote, I have an article coming out today called Run the Jewels, which is uh, the perspective of the formerly colonized and subjugated people and how we are responding to this pomp and circumstance of this queen that just does not, like, apparently she just doesn't die. It's been a week. I'm like, just bury her, man. Just bury her. It's time. Uh, September 19th is, is what we have to wait Oh, my God. And so, you know, and, and I remember we got, I, I don't know about you, Danielle, if you tweeted this, but I, I was very, I think, very diplomatic. When, when she died, I said, the queen is dead. May she rest in peace. Now it's time to end the monarchy. Which I thought that was very benign compared to what other folks said, especially Irish Twitter, uh, which went just ham and like was on fire in literally tap dancing videos, right? Mm. And I remember I got tone policed. My, some of my own followers said they were very disappointed in me. The finger wagging. How dare you? Now's not the time. Show when some. Is the time? Yeah, show no some way. civility. It's never the it's, time. And yeah, let's be civil in the face of racism and colonialism and the theft of God knows how much wealth in terms of blood and treasure. I mean, Jesus Christ. No, no, so, so I sat there and I'm like, huh, okay. And I was like, you know, I do an audit of myself. Did I, did I, did I step out of bounds? I'm like, I don't think so. I was very respectful. But you have to realize, you know, Queen Elizabeth as a figurehead sat there and smiled and as Danielle said in her passion and eloquent as always, uh, 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 I don't want to say rant, I want to say elucidation of facts and history. Uh, you know, she became the queen during the, the, the brutal crackdown of Kenyans and the Mau Mau Rebellion, right? Uh, this was just a few years after the brutal partition, the forced displacement of 10 to 20 million South Asians uh, after British colonialism. And not only that, uh, Prince Charles, based on exactly what Jen said, uh, through these Cayman Islands, New York Times at a piece just came out yesterday. Where, mm -hmm. no, I'm below sorry. the fold, well below the fold. Yeah, King Charles has amassed a man who has never had a job until like I think what two days ago at the age of seventy three. If where you he can call it a job, yeah, has somehow amassed a billion dollar empire through tax cuts and offshore accounts. The royal family yep. is estimated in twenty seventeen to somehow magically have eighty eight billion dollars worth of worth, and Queen Elizabeth somehow was sitting on five hundred million dollars, and she didn't want to disclose the extent of her wealth because she thought it would be too embarrassing. So the question for anyone watching is, it is how do these people who don't have jobs get all this money? And then I just want you to pay attention to the scepter that King Charles held during the coronation ceremony. And that scepter has diamonds in it that come from Africa. Yeah, they're blood and diamonds. The blood diamonds and the Kohinoor diamond from India. And so if you go visit British museums like I have, they call it the Stolen Goods Tour. And you literally are like, if you take away all the really good stuff, all you'll have left in a British museum is like fish and chips and like a, a portrait of like pasty looking white people who are dead. And so for the rest of us, we look at this and we're like, you white folks in America are losing your shit over a monarch who is a foreign dignitary who represents a British imperial crown that we, our ancestors, rebelled against to get, to get liberty and... We have white supremacy and colonialism that is still ravaging 
African nations, the Caribbeans, uh, uh, South Asians, and somehow the rest of us are supposed to shed our tears for this figurehead who stayed quiet for the past uh, 90 years of life. Yeah, we're supposed to you be know. polite in the face of all of this. And even the personal stuff, as you just said, that what Charles did, I'm sure much of it illicit. Because, uh, I mean, offshore accounts and tax breaks don't ever sound good in this particular context. We're supposed to be polite in the face of the fact that these people covered up for a man who was at least a rapist of young women and girls. Uh, I mean, what the fuck? It, like, it, I, you know, I find what I find absurd, and I'm so glad, Waj, that you like aired out right the historical context around this, and just remind people that one, the audacity of white people to dictate to people of color how we should be how we should be forced to mourn our oppressor is on some bullshit that I have honestly. It is just it, it is it is outrageous to me. It is outrageous that you have the, uh, that the and I and I did a TikTok about this that the white world has the audacity to point their finger at people black indigenous people of color around this globe and tell us that we should be shedding tears for a for a monarch that presided over some of the most bloody and disgusting and despicable genocides that this world has ever seen and that we are to celebrate their wealth and be concerned about their family and the loss of their fucking grandmother what about all of the grandmothers at and 96 by the that way, 96. But what about the grandmothers and the grandfathers and the aunts and the uncles that were beaten, that were murdered, that were hung, that were shot, that were that were decapitated because of what the British did during colonization? Like, I'm just so tired of being forced and told how what I should be doing with my black body. Right. As in response to oppressors, like it is absurd. And I wish that at some point in time, white people would check themselves and be more concerned with what is going on inside of themselves, that they feel the need to dictate to other people whose experiences they don't even want to understand. They don't even want to learn. Why are we only learning about things during war and during times of death? Because Americans don't actually give a fuck about anything except what they see in the mirror. They don't even care about what is happening right in front of them in their society. That's why they have banned books. That's why they are dumbing down curricula, right? Because, my God, if we were to actually understand things and have critical thought, then we would ask questions, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm so tired of all of this and this parade and this pageantry and this nonsense and the protection, like you said, Mary, that this monarch gave to a pedophile, to a rapist, right, that they are holding. This man is going to march behind his mother's friggin' casket on Monday, right? Don't oh, yell at the him. Only, the only dishonor that he gets is not to be able to wear his military uniform, <laughs> which is the same thing that they are doing to Harry. And do you know what Harry did? Marry a biracial woman. That's Give me a fucking break. Yeah, and, and um, I I want to switch gears. I know, Jen, you have something to say, uh, but... Um, you know, I think I think we need to be aware that part of this is is driven by the media. I don't know that there's a clamoring for this kind of insane, incessant coverage, uh, which sort of makes you wonder what what's going on there. Um, but you know, it's it's like that. Uh, 
truism. You know, if you had a problem with the witches, but not with the people who burned them at the stake, then, you know, maybe you should uh, reconsider your priorities. Um, so the reason I wanted to, uh, I mean, the, the, what I want to talk about is, is what's going on um, in, in three different arenas and i think if we have time i want to end up talking about polls um because i i'm very eager to hear what your uh your views are on this uh this idea that the polls aren't accurate dems really aren't doing that well and uh we're all gonna we're gonna lose horribly or whatever whatever's happening with with that but first you know we've got um the potential that uh, this guy named Judge Deary uh, may be chosen as the special master. Uh, he has been, he was chosen by Donald's team, but is supported, uh, I guess, by the DOJ. Um, we have Jeffrey Berman's new book uh, that basically reveals the depth and breadth of the corruption at the DOJ under, particularly under Bill Barr during Donald's administration. And we have the news, which I could barely find anything about, by the way, that the DOJ just issued over 40 subpoenas in what's being referred to as a substantial escalation of the investigation wow. less than 60 days out from the election. I don't know why, but somehow all of these things seem... Uh, not the poll issue, but those three things all seem Berman, uh, Judge Deary, and um, the subpoenas. I, they seem related to me somehow. I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, Jen, any thoughts about either one one of those things that stands out or the way they may be connected? So not the polling, but just the three things related to the investigation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I am curious about timing and what the so-called rule is. I mean, I think what I like is it appears as if these investig investigations and subpoenas are going to continue. On the one hand, the subpoenas appear to happen just before the so-called 60-day window. So maybe that's that and we're not going to hear much, um, but they're going to have to produce whatever information. Um, you know, I just, I, I, all I can say is, and with the Deary thing, you know, I, I just feel like this stuff, you know, is going to move along at a snail's pace and, you know, eventually we'll get to some kind of indictment, like I said before, but it's going to feel anticlimactic because it's not going to, whatever it is, the punishment isn't going to be severe enough to fit the kind of damage that this man and his sycophants and the entire Republican Party have done to a nation that was already barely on its way to any kind of semblance of equality. We've been so set back. So in some ways, you know, I'm more excited to hear what the January 6th commission comes up with because they seem to be leading the way, you know, or it asked for what, what, um, one comment on, on uh, Greg Berman, you know, hearing him on Rachel Maddow's show last night, 
on the one hand, I had some sympathy with the timing of this because they tried to explain why he, you know, he had to do all this stuff and get all of it vetted. On the other hand, he's not being fully forthcoming because you could have vetted some pieces of this and tweeted them out. You know, you don't have to. You know, we all know anyone who's ever written a book. Um, I've, I've never done one of these sort of tell-all books, but like if he signed a book based on this information, then he was supposed to keep it secret because that's why they gave him the advance. So there's money behind this, even if he wants to say it's just ethics and he had to run it all by them. He could have done this earlier. They could have all done it earlier. Um, and, you know, it makes me, there's, there's different levels of complicity. And it's like how we began this conversation. If you're always chasing the next buck, you've lost your soul. That's right. And, um, you know, while you while Jen was talking, I, I think it occurred to me why it feels like these things are related. Um, these are all problems that have been created by Donald. Uh, they're all things that are being delayed, if not uh, on his behalf, although in some cases that's a, that's the case, but certainly uh, delayed so that a narrative can take root. Uh, that mitigates the damage he's done. I mean, no, sorry. Uh, that makes it seem like there is a, a a case for the fact that what he did wasn't that bad. You know, if it were that bad, then we would be doing something right now, right? It would be an emergency. And yet, delay, delay, delay. And, um, okay, sorry, I just saw your uh, chat. Uh, go ahead, watch. Oh, uh, no, I was just saying, I just realized I have to go to the train station. I got so engrossed in this conversation that I don't, <laughs> I don't miss my Amtrak. But I, 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 my, my concern is shared with Jen is that I don't think this man's ever going to see the inside of a jail cell. Uh, I think the people who think he's going to go to jail need to temper themselves. It's never going to happen. I think Donald, you know, I was thinking about this last time because I realized we're going to Mary show. I was like, it, 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 like Donald's existence is a middle finger to the universe. Because you sit there and you're like, how does this man keep failing up in life repeatedly? Uh, he's a terrible businessman. He's not that smart. He's a failed husband. Uh, he's a vulgarian. And yet he fails up because he was born into wealth, born into privilege, celebrity, fame, and now the presidency, right? Yeah. I, I do think, though, what we're witnessing, hey, puppies and doggies, that's so lovely. That's a, that's a Jen's like, Jen, you win. Um, it's one of those situations where I do think with the Justice Department tightening the screws, with the January 6th Commission, with these subpoenas, with this drip, drip, drip. And also, I always want to remind folks, do not underestimate Fannie Willis of Georgia, the district attorney. Do not underestimate Letitia James of New York. I think these financial cases are especially going to get some of these, uh, if you will, capos, like the, the, the Giuliani's, the Bannons. Uh -huh. And I think the DOJ in particular, because the DOJ now is under active threat from the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys, because threats against the FBI have escalated, you're going to see a crackdown uh, against these groups. So they're going to get enough low-level capos, Mary, uh -huh. at the end of this. But I think Donald will be indicted eventually. Yay. But nothing's going to happen to him. I hope I'm wrong. And I do think they're going to tighten it up. But the avalanche isn't going to come until after the midterms. Uh -huh. Because apparently with both sides, James Comey can tilt the field against Hillary before the 2016 election. But God forbid... Justice has to be delayed for Republicans and rich white folks. Uh, and it's one of those situations where I'm witnessing this. And, you know, you mentioned bring it all full circle. 
you know, who gets to escape culpability, like Prince Andrew and the Epsteins and like everything that Jen talks about, these folks and big money, you know, with big money. With Trump, as a result of all this, and I don't know if you guys who are listening have noticed, he's been openly criming his entire life. Mm-hmm. And, and yet somehow, nothing happened to him. No audit, no eyeballs. And you sit there and you go, oh, the system truly is rigged. Will we see accountability? Will we see some law and order? I think we'll get enough to satiate people's appetites. We'll get like an appetizer. But other than that, Mary, I'm not expecting this guy to be perp walked to jail. But I yeah. hope I'm wrong. Yeah, um, I agree with you. But um, I also hope I'm wrong. So go catch your train. We'll see you next week. Um, so, yeah, Danielle, I, I, I think that we need to not have that be something that we want. I mean, we can want it, but we have to we have to let go of the whole jail thing. Um, because for all sorts of reasons, but um, I I think it's uncovering, uh, continuing to uncover the malfeasance and the wrongdoing and the criminality because if we don't do that, then, uh, as we've seen over the decades, that the vacuum gets filled with uh, justifications and rationalizations. And, I mean, yes, the criming is out in the open, which makes those of us who were sane uh, kind of stand back and say, how the fuck is that, is that possible? But it allows other Okay, we're doing a anyway, Mary Trump binge fest. Oh, yeah, I did want to mention something. Um, my second book, which is called The Reckoning, came out last summer. Uh, it's on the ebook version of that is on sale this week uh, for two dollars and ninety nine cents. What? Apparently. Uh, anywhere, anywhere you get ebooks. Uh, so uh, if you haven't read it, uh, check it out. How can I, I get a book? Explain um, why we are where we are, at least partially. Uh, so, and you know, $2.99, it's a pretty decent price. Um, and other than that, uh, we will be back on. Sign in to continue to YouTube. Well, suck it. Nerd Avengers. Okay, well, I'm gonna, uh, just because I'm signing in through Twitter. Mary Trump, Donald Trump is a black hole of need. <laughs> What Mary Trump thinks of Ivanka's political future. Uh, anyway, thanks for tuning into the Christopher Governator Show and shout out to the students at the University of Arizona in Two Stones and KPYT, Pasquayaki Tribal Radio, on the res with Trista Show. Check it out. Rachel Maddow first picked up Marielle Trump's book about her uncle Donald Trump. She told The Tonight Show that she was chilled by a prediction that Mary had made. That there would be no way Donald Trump would leave the White House peacefully if he lost the election. She said that she has absolutely no doubt that um, he, he will he will not peacefully, not agree to the peaceful transfer of power. Now Trump's niece is back with another prediction, this time involving her cousins Don Jr. and Ivanka, who have been positioned as potential candidates for future GOP tickets. Mary told Sirius XM that, 
I think it's over. I think it's completely over, and they have their father to thank for that because the insurrection was a bridge too far. She also saved her harshest criticism for Don Jr., who she's certain was a part of the insurrection that engulfed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Mary went on to say that if there is any justice, Don Jr. will also be indicted at some point in the future. But Mary's prediction wasn't made in a vacuum. Until the insurrection took place, Ivanka Trump had viewed herself as her father's political heir. After all, while her brothers were left to run the Trump Organization, she and her husband Jared Kushner moved to Washington, D.C., where she served as an advisor to the president. As part of a profile on Don Jr. and Ivanka's roles within the Trump family, The Atlantic suggested that no one can quite trump Ivanka when it comes to getting what they want from the notorious ex-president. Former White House aide Cliff Sims was even quoted as saying, Ivanka is the archetype of what he wants. The most beautiful face, the most buttoned-up message, everything just exactly the way it should be. After much speculation over where Ivanka and her husband Jerry might settle after Trump left the White House, it was announced that the couple had moved to Miami, Florida, where they took out a one-year lease on a condo. It has also been speculated that they're preparing to move into a newly built house in the exclusive Indian Creek Island community. From there, Trump allies have said Ivanka will be in a good position to challenge incumbent Marco Rubio for his Senate seat. But running for office now means that Ivanka will have to find a way to move past her father's legacy. As former Trump attorney Michael Cohen told the Washington Post, there's too much potential dirt that she doesn't want released. It's easy to say, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But it's different to put your entire life out there for the media to excoriate you. Furthermore, in running for public office, Ivanka will also have to contend with her own past. Indeed, she may be long remembered as the one who referred to those who took part in the January 6th insurrection as American patriots in a tweet that was later taken down. Ivanka will also be remembered for her role in the Trump White House, which saw her and her husband Jared Kushner earn between $172 million and $640 million from their business interests during the four years of the former administration. These startling figures were reported by Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in a report that bluntly states, Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump should never have been allowed to work in the White House. Nonetheless, yeah, while Mary L. Trump's prediction could well come to pass, those around Where Ivanka will try to keep a positive spotlight shining on her for as long as they can. For example, Trump advisor Jason Miller has said, Ivanka only got into politics to help her father and help his agenda. But what's now clear is that Ivanka is a political powerhouse in her own right. Politico also quoted one Republican official as saying, We're taking the possibility seriously, and so is incumbent Senator Marco Rubio, and that's a good thing. But you never know, she's a Trump, and the Trumps move on their own timetables. Finally, another GOP strategist said, Their brand was certainly stained, and it's a stain we'll never be able to erase. At the same time, the name of the game is winning a primary, and someone with the last name of Trump could win. Check out one of our newest videos right here. Plus, even more list videos about the latest hot topics are coming soon. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you don't miss a single one. That Oz on the ballot, sure, she's gonna probably. Unless, if you see this plant in your backyard, don't step on it. This neglected plant is more delicious and nutritious than most garden plants people care for. If you pull out this weed to protect your crops, you throw shit? away something much more valuable. Calorie for calorie, 
Purslane is one of the most nutrient-dense foods oh, yeah. I actually on bought Earth. This book. I was just it also has the highest night. concentration of omega I actually ordered several more books, but they never came along. On top of that, you can take advantage of its anti-inflammatory properties. <coughs> never arrived. What this happened to the rest of, of them? Many neglected plants yeah. that might be growing in your backyard. Plants that not only can save what your life one shit day, but you can put your good use right now. If you know these wild plants, you will never run out of wear it. One dollar hat. <sighs> anyway. So yeah, thanks for tuning in to the Just for Governator show. I cover all the pro-democracy podcasts. And... like Mary Trump. We're having a binge fest right now. I'm your man. Special Donald Trump tries to hide the deal some Putin meeting. Shaking the Trump White House right now in those hectic days MSNBC. after Trump fired. James Comey, FBI officials were so concerned they began investigating if he was working for Russia. Now that is deep. FBI opened inquiry into whether Trump was secretly working on behalf of Russia. Huh. In the days after President Trump fired James A. Comey as FBI director, law enforcement officials became so concerned by the president's behavior that they began investigating. From the known probe into obstruction because of its criminal aspect, a confirmation that the FBI essentially viewed Donald Trump's behavior as suspicious from a counterintelligence point of view. All of that in the New York Times report, and they also note that the agents there were as aghast. Three years ago, Trump's now infamous admissions to Lester Holt about the probe, as many of its critics were. So. <sighs> This is three years old, comma, but it is the same old, same old, exclamation point. Americans are so stupid, exclamation point, and our system is so weak, comma, that we cannot... Discipline, comma, reign in, comma, bring justice against these outright criminals, comma, traitors and terrorists, exclamation point, hashtag January 6th, CMTE. Instead of traitors and terrorists, it always puts traitors, like tra traitors, like day traitors, and tourists. Terrorists. See, that's. Go fuck yourself, Kevin. I need some TP for my bunghole, by the way. Bunghole. Okay. January 6th committee. Yeah, guess what? I have 99 percentile in English, so fuck off, man. 
This is really the same old, same old nurse, so stupid in our system, so we, we, that we cannot discipline rain in R-E-I. justice against these outrights. Okay. Tie on the tag, like ad sign, fucking January 6th committee. Department of Justice. Justice, D-E-P-T, and then I'm also going to paste in there.
He didn't answer. It took two more days for Trump to say formally no. <laughs> Talk is cheap, motherfucker. Oh, good. Trump is. He even broke into my safe. Related, it's Trump, Trump, tr tr it's actually Trump. <laughs>
Yeah, well, that's something we've known about for a long time. And it just, I think, should remind us that, first of all, Donald uh, has always been contemptuous of service members, but uh, has also put on a pedestal generals and admirals and what have you him. Uh, that's what people are for, to be loyal to him. Uh, his clear affection for the autocrat, for the authoritarian, which again is not news. Uh, I, you know, we lay that at the feet of the Republican Party. They knew all of this about him as well. And instead of doing everything in their power to make sure that he did not receive the nomination in 2016, they went all in. So they're completely responsible for the fact that we are in the mess we're in now. And, and I don't think we, we should let that slide. My, my sense of, of your uncle and his audacity levels uh, is that, um, a man I don't know, uh, is that he makes a judgment, this kind of animalistic judgment about just how bold is the other person. that Merrick Garland sent the FBI right into Donald Trump's Absolutely. I mean, Merrick Garland is the epitome of the kind of man that Donald is contemptuous of, right? So it never occurred to him that uh, Garland would have the intestinal fortitude to, uh, well, not go after him, to do his job, quite honestly, and hold Donald accountable. Uh, so it also uh, serves as a reminder that Donald Trump is a private citizen. And this may be the very first time in his life that he is not protected. So finally, at long last, uh, he is in a position where he, too, can be served as a, subpoena, sorry, not as, a, subpoena, a search warrant by the FBI, thanks to Maricar. You've watched him uh, get away with things that have offended you your entire life, uh, things just within family exchanges that have nothing to do with anything legal, uh, that you've also watched him uh, through his businesses and, and through his political career. How do you feel tonight with this news that his home was raided? you know and, and many of your guests have said there's a lot we don't know but i i feel that it is uh, vindicating that finally uh donald has been not held accountable so much but as treated like somebody who is not above the law that's a long time coming and again i i think it's a little too early for schadenfreude but uh, at least now we know 
that the playing field is a little more level than it was before tonight. Human condition. Human condition. If you see this plant in your backyard, don't Human step condition. This neglected plant is more delicious. Uh, top post kid reveals how long a trump. Now we've got Prison the host of Justice Matters on YouTube, Brian third year former federal prosecutor Glenn Kirshner. Glenn, thank you so much for coming on. Love, you, Glenn, you, love so, you, Glenn. I, I bet you, thank you, you wish you never, service. never made yourself the guy who I'd call every time there's a legal issue uh, in Trump <laughs> world because uh, it's, it's, it's cost you now. It's heating up, I'll tell you. All right, so let's let's get started with the newest bit of news, and I'm gonna do my best not to not to have our interviews immediately become obsolete, which is something that we've encountered uh, a lot of times in the past with the way that things move so quickly. But the DOJ revealed that there were 43 empty folders with classified banners on them at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, Glenn, do you think classified. they came that way? Like, what are the implications of finding empty classified document folders? Yeah, I can't imagine Trump said, "Here's what I want you all to pack up at the White House. I'm gonna need you to." Take those 43 empty folders that used to contain classified information. I'm going to need you to take those 28 empty folders that say on them, return to staff secretary slash military aid. I'm going to need you to deliver all of those to my office proper. In case anybody wonders if it was my office, I've named it 45 office. And Brian, that's just some of the empty classified documents folders that were found at Mar-a-Lago. There were also several found in a storage facility across multiple boxes. Nobody, nobody packages up empty classified documents folders to move them to their new digs. This is about as I, it went from bad to worse to extraordinarily dangerous for our national security. I guess at this point, all we can do is surmise where those documents went. I mean, what what seems like the most likely explanation? I know that we're treading on like treading on shaky ground because because I guess the only person who can really say is Trump and or investigators uh, who've looked into this. But what's the most likely explanation as to why there are empty classified documents? So the ground under our feet might have become a little firmer in the last 60 minutes or so because the reporting just broke that a Russian oligarch by the name of Viktor Veskelberg has right now, as we speak, the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security are searching his New York and Florida properties. And they are, carry they, they are seen carrying boxes out of those properties. Do we know whether that's related to this morning's revelation that Donald Trump had empty classified documents, folders? We don't might be pure coincidence, but I think we have to wait and see. You know, I, I hate to speculate, but it seems to me that Donald Trump very likely exploited those documents in some way for his own. Rich future business deals he might have in other countries. I think we're going to begin to learn more about that. 
but I've talked to some national security folk who were able to answer questions that I had liked. If you have an empty folder with a classified banner on it, might you be able to tell what that folder used to contain? And I was told, yes, we do have ways to figure that out. And Brian, I had a TSSCI clearance when I was an army prosecutor handling an espionage case out of Desert Storm. And can I t tell you that scared the bejesus out of me? I didn't want to say or do or touch something I shouldn't. I was super careful, but you know, this is as potentially dangerous and damaging as it gets to our nation. Just as a quick aside, what's the punishment for any other person other than Donald Trump if they were found to have uh, had been in possession of documents like these? Uh, prison, a prompt arrest, a prompt indictment, a prompt prosecution, probably a guilty plea, which is how most of these cases involving mishandling of government classified materials you know, play out. People typically will plead guilty and the government will debrief them out the wazoo to make sure we know everything that might result in damage to our national security. But we can use the concrete example of a Department of Justice, excuse me, a Department of Defense executive assistant named Asia Janae Lavarello, who was serving in Hawaii with the federal government, mishandled a secret document and also failed to failed to transmit some handwritten notes she had taken that she was authorized to take at a meeting at which classified information was discussed. and how those things apply in this situation? Yeah, so the Presidential Records Act, as you say, has no teeth. There are lots of laws on the books that are basically guidelines for how federal government employees and officers should operate. Actually, like the Hatch Act, for example. The Hatch Act has no teeth. You can, you can, you know, receive a slap on the wrist if you violate the Hatch Act. That is, if you engage in political activity as a government employee, because that's prohibited, you may even get, you know, a, a, a letter of condemnation in your permanent file, but it doesn't really have any teeth to it. But the Espionage Act provisions sure do. And under 18 U.S.C. 793, it sure seems like Donald Trump has mishandled national defense information. The reason I say it seems like he has violated that statute is because that's one of the statutes cited in the search warrant for which the judge found there was probable cause to believe that statute had been violated and that there was evidence of that crime on the property of Mar-a-Lago. And what is Trump facing here? Like, give me the spectrum of punishments that we could see and, you know, from from best in his case to, to worst and also what you think is most likely. For openers, Donald Trump is facing 20 years in prison, and here's why. 
one of the three federal statutes listed in the search warrant is obstructing I don't say that lightly or cavalierly because there's no such thing as a bulletproof case. Prosecutors can lose any case or a jury can hang in any case that we choose to prosecute. But Donald Trump was subpoenaed to turn over the additional materials he had at Mar-a-Lago and he flat out refused. And then we had to get a federal prosecutors had to get a search warrant. They went in there and they found a veritable mountain of documents that were responsive to the subpoena that is a fairly easy obstruction case to prove that carries with it 20 years in prison potentially that's the maximum punishment so for openers that's a relatively easy charge to prove on the facts as we know them what happens to trump's attorney who signed that Which you should trash and which you can eat in moderation. Oh, First yeah, up, what hamburger what the shit? You already know that the saturated herself. The answer is yes. Both of those things are in play. You know, first of all, let me, let me back up. I've talked to a lot of my friends who um, operate kind of at the upper echelons of the white collar defense practice in D.C. Most of them are former prosecutors that I served with many years ago. And I said, look, I've never been a defense attorney, never wanted to be a defense attorney. But my understanding is that defense attorneys never certify that their criminal clients have turned over all of the evidence of crime that they have. You're representing a bank robber. As a defense attorney, it's not really in your job description to certify to the prosecutors. By the way, my client gave back all the money he stole from the bank. That's not the way the practice of law is supposed to play out. So Christina Bob is in potential deep legal jeopardy, not only professional jeopardy, because she will be referred to her state bar wherever she's licensed for an investigation to see whether she should be sanctioned or disbarred, but she is in legal peril because she certified something that is provably false. It's not something she should have certified in the first instance, but, uh, and she also now has a conflict, right? Anytime an attorney is representing a client and that attorney's conduct is potentially criminal in furtherance of that representation the attorney has a has a split loyalty now because you have to zealously represent your client but you also have to keep yourself out of hot water and those two goals may conflict with one another so very soon i expect to see her withdraw from her representation of donald trump doesn't it kind of not make sense to put yourself and your profession on the line in service of or on behalf of someone like Donald Trump who's known to lie? I mean, like, just from a judgment standpoint, wouldn't it be smart of her to have, you know, maybe maybe not predicated her <laughs> this entire thing on trusting what Donald Trump says? Yeah, um, but let's, you know, let's recognize that she is now one of a long line of attorneys that... Donald Trump has touched and they have died, right? Every yeah. attorney Donald Trump touches I think, died. I think Michael we're looking Cohen, at Michael, Michael Cohen, Woods, Sidney Powell. Giuliani, you've got John Eastman. You've got Jeffrey Clark, a little bit of an outlier. He was a yeah. Department of Justice 
high official who joined Donald Trump's conspiracy to overturn the results of the election. Now it looks like Christina Bob will join that club and perhaps Evan Corcoran, the other lawyer who, according to Christina Bob, is the one who really conducted the search of Mar-a-Lago for additional classified materials and then told me he didn't find any. So you already have two of Donald Trump's lawyers doing a little bit of finger pointing. You had mentioned uh, an opening of 20 years. Is it possible that, that Trump could still run for president from prison? Is there any punishment here that would preclude him from being able to hold federal office? No. Uh, the, the restrictions on somebody running for the presidency are few and far between. Is it practical that he could run for office from prison? No. But I don't think there is a legal prohibition. Of course, that's something that the Supreme Court has never taken up because, you know, go figure, we've never had a presidential candidate behind bars during the campaign. So, but no, I, I think practically speaking, that's a non-starter. But that's just in this case, because there are other cases like the one being investigated uh, regarding January 6th that... that say, if you are convicted of that crime, treason is another one of those crimes, if you are convicted, then the statutory punishment that the judge could impose uh, uh, office. For office, but any of those charges, idea from Republicans. My take on it documents that don't pertain for them to slow walk this whole thing so that they have more time to obfuscate the facts. Do you, do you have a read on this, on this whole special, special master situation? I do. It's all kind of uncharted territory, but he, here's my read. First of all, Judge Aileen Cannon, who is the judge that somehow got appointed to hear Donald Trump's demand to have a special master appointed. She's a Federalist Society member since 2005 when she was in her mid-20s. It's not what I was doing in my mid-20s. I was, you know, finding out where I could get the cheapest beer and pizza. Yeah, Judge Cannon has been a Federalist Society member since 2005. I think it's worth noting that not only was she nominated by Donald Trump, but she was confirmed by Mitch McConnell's Senate after Donald Trump lost the 2020 presidential election. That tells us something. It's a, it's a data point. And Donald Trump made the demand that she appoint a special master. And here's something I've never seen in my 30 years as a prosecutor, Brian. The judge, before she even asked the prosecutors at the Department of Justice to state their opinion, to file their brief, to argue their case, she said, I tentatively am inclined to grant Donald Trump's request for a second master. That's not the way litigation is supposed to work. You hear from both parties, and then you make your announcement whether tentative or final. She didn't do that. Now she's kind of found herself in a tough spot because the Department of Justice filed a motion that legally and factually knocks out of the box every legal argument Donald Trump's defense team made as to why she should appoint a special master. 
Here's what I suspect she's going to do. I make this prediction at my own peril. She's going to try to save face by saying, well, I'll appoint the special master only to review those few potential attorney-client privilege documents that the prosecutors have already set aside and segregated as part of their uh, privilege. of the documents which were the classified materials that Trump stole and was illegally concealing. The government's reply to Donald Trump's motion. Investigative leads and the national security leads to around in the evidentiary field and it really doesn't make sense to close the barn door now by appointing a special master okay so let's finish off with this republicans are claiming that everything was already declassified um i've done videos on this myself basically explaining that while trump can initiate declassification procedures it, it can't just be done by fiat like especially with materials uh, related to human sources and nuclear secrets but besides that, can you speak on why, if this is really Trump's defense, his lawyers didn't argue that in court? They didn't argue it in court because it's untrue. Donald Trump, you know, Donald Trump can post anything he wants on his little media platform. Um, he can say anything he wants on Fox Entertainment. But if he had, in fact, declassified anything, that would have been prominently featured in the litigation in court. It wasn't. It's untrue. And then the, the other um, the other reason that this is a red herring is because the three crimes that the judge said there was probable cause to believe were committed and there was evidence of those crimes located on the property at Mar-a-Lago on August 8th, the day they went in the search, none of those three crimes require classification. So the whole thing is a Donald Trump production it's a sideshow it's irrelevant yeah what's new uh glenn thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it and uh and for anybody listening and watching if you want to hear or see more from glenn check out justice matters on youtube i appreciate you taking the time thanks brian i just posted on uh, facebook reels christopher governor Nuts. NRA, look, he's being he's being supported by the NRA. Should outlaw um, campaign contributions altogether. So right now, I'm not 
Okay. All right. Zero reviews. Video like quote tweet. Everybody should go check out hashtag Mary L. Trump's podcast, exclamation point. Zero views. <laughs> okay. Should send that to uh, Women Against Matt Gates. Groups. Mm. Uh, women Against. Where's uh, women against Matt Gates? Ah, uh, you. It's women against Matt Gates. This is for hashtag women against Matt Gates exclamation point. the show man I'm just uh back to the show Brian Tyler Cohen uh Senator Schatz what a name man it's like the uh past tense of to shit but apparently it's a good it's a good representative okay um but where is the one we were just oh Al Franken Humiliate Republicans in epic takedown. This is seven months ago, Al Franken. I like Al Franken. I told this him to. He should run for office again. What he did was a fucking joke. He's a fucking comedian. I wasn't offended. Today we've got my good friend and longtime guest of this podcast, Al Franken. Thanks so much for coming back on. You bet. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So we both spoke with Jamie Raskin last week. He was a guest on both of our shows. And in his book, Unthinkable, Trauma, Truth, and the Trials of American Democracy, he really went deep into the events of January 6th and how much worse it was than we all even know, how much closer we were to losing democracy than we otherwise thought. And as I was reading his book, I couldn't help but be floored by not only what I was reading, but also floored at basically how this is a non-issue for so many people. Like, we were inches away from a coup in the United States. So as a former senator, do you think that the Congress and Democrats more broadly are doing enough to drive home the depravity and the gravity of what happened on that day and how close we were to actually losing our democracy? 
Well, I, I do think that the select committee and on January 6th is going to be doing that work. And right when, especially when they have hearings, um, we obviously have a very divided country and we have these real nutcases on the right. I mean, yeah. you know, that this was legitimate political uh, discourse is what the RNC call it almost unanimously. I mean, that's and the crazy. Media and, you know, I mean, to be broken uh, Raskin, uh, Congressman Raskin talked about broken vertebrae, the cops had their eyes gouged out. This broken fingers broken, yeah. Fingers broken, uh, broken, broken vertebrae, traumatic brain injury. That's not, you know, legitimate... How can you, you can't even make fun of how absurd it is. I know that there are a lot of highly paid political consultants who tell us constantly that the only thing the American people care about is the cost of gas and milk prices, right? But obviously January 6th is a major issue for me. I'm sure it's a major issue for you. I'm sure it's a major issue for people watching and listening to this. We may be the outliers. I'm, I'm not sure. But how much do you think the Democrats should be focusing on January 6th as we head into midterms? Well, I do think this was an unforced error on the Republican National Committee. Because I do actually, you know, obviously, the Republican Party is now in the thrall of this psychopath. And it's just a nutcase party. And uh, they, uh, I guess they're fine with what they say. I think they realize they screwed up, right? I think they do. And so I think we should keep... I think it's a great message that they're nuts and that they're scary. And I don't think it's scary how many Republican, the Republican base is with him and with this. But I don't, you know, I don't think that's 60 percent or 65 percent of America. And so I, I think it helps us tremendously. If you were running, what percent of your focus would be spent on the events of January 6th versus versus uh, other other elements of, of campaigning? What would you focus on if you were running? Well, you know, you can do both. You can uh, walk and chew gum at the same time, and I, both are incredibly important. The, the, the threat to our democracy is an existential one and is one that we should not we should be talking about all the time and it has to do with voter suppression and republicans trying to take over the administration of elections we should be talking about that we should i always think scorn and ridicule is is great and i, I definitely use that um in in my campaigns in, in a certain way uh, and in my books and in what I do in my podcast, etc. Uh, but I also think we should be talking about the, you know, uh, uh, universal pre-K. We should be talking about uh, 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 child care. Um, allowing the government to negotiate lower drug prices. All that stuff. That's the, that's the shame. That and I, I think we should put those issues each on the floor and just one after another. And so the American people, because the press, it likes to play inside baseball and uh, you know just horse race. So the American people haven't seen what's in Build Back Better, even though it's been hanging out there forever. But 
the press just talks about mansion and cinema and you know is it 3.5 trillion or is it 1.5 trillion or is it 1.75 we should just put those issues we should put we should put a make it come to a vote on each one of those and american people are for these things overwhelmingly and that's i think how we win this that i think we need to do that and as soon as possible uh in in, in the roll up to the the uh to the uh, uh to the election well, look, you just mentioned ridicule, and you're very good at calling out the ridiculous. So I want to get your take on these anti-critical race theory laws. Uh, Ron DeSantis has just come out in favor of the Stop Woke Act in Florida, and we're seeing similar legislation spread up in states across the country as part of this whole culture war focus. This is that uh, parents can sue <laughs> teachers if, uh, it if the teacher, anything the teacher teaches is causing uh, discomfort. Right. The anti-safe space Republicans don't want don't want anybody to to experience any discomfort. If you needed any uh, any uh, if you needed an example of uh, of the hypocrisy there. Oh yeah, it, it's it's pretty amazing. And uh, you know, how do you teach American history if you're a teacher in Florida? Then I mean, do you go? Is it like um, okay uh, now? Uh, in this country, for the first 250 years, uh, there were people that worked for free uh, for other people. And uh, PJ, no, no, it wasn't like your unpaid internship with your dad's law firm. That was more voluntary. This was this was involuntary. And uh, it was uh, yeah, and it was a lot tougher. Uh, then uh, that went on for about 250 years, and then we had a war uh, that ended it, uh, and then it got better for a while. That was called Reconstruction, and then it got worse. It got worse after that, end, and then kind of got slightly better after the... Uh, uh, Ashley, why, why are you crying? <laughs> I mean, I don't... Yeah. Uh, the, the, it's it's the entire country. It's the entire history of this country. There is literally no other way to teach it without focusing on these things that might, you know, God forbid, make somebody uncomfortable. Well, what, and and this whole thing about critical race theory is is just a fraud. It's a complete fraud. Their critical race theory is not taught in you know elementary school. It's not taught in junior high. It's not taught in high school. It's not taught in college. It's a graduate level course. It's a law school course and it's just they know it it's just a big lie uh, and they don't mind doing it that's what they do and Youngkin said the day I become governor we're going to end critical race theory being taught in our school it's not being taught you know it I mean he knows it uh, and it's it's ugly it's just ugly and of course you know our history is people don't know our history people don't know that Redlining was started by the FHA in, in, during the New uh, Deal. And that, you know, when guys got back from World War II and black soldiers got back from World War II, they couldn't use the GI Bill to buy a home because uh, they're redlined. And, you know, the, it, it, there is, it, I, I had Heather McGee on uh, the other day on my podcast. 
And she told me something which I had to look it up after she told me. I trust her. She's a scholar of economist. But that the uh, average black family headed by a college graduate has less wealth than the average white family headed by a high school dropout. Yeah, there's systemic racism in our country, and it's been going on for our entire history, and we have to teach it. And, you know, we're mainly we're doing our kids a disservice, right? Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's funny, that's too. scary. DeSantis actually invoked Martin Luther King Jr. while he was announcing his support for the bill. He oh, said, yeah, uh, it's the uh, judge by the character. Yeah, your, yeah, exactly. Content your character. That is so bogus. Invoking yes. Martin, Luther King, not Martin Luther King on behalf of a bill that's intention is to stop kids from learning about racial justice. Well, not only that, but that is used by Republicans all the time, which is I have a dream that, you know, my ch children will be judged by the country. <laughs> yeah. That was in the I Have a Dream speech in 1963. We still had segregation in the South. This is pre-the voting rights bill. This is, and he was, that whole speech, if you, you're maybe too young, I remember the damn speech. And, of course, we can read it <laughs> every day. Uh, but that was about uh, that there was a... Uh, we're here to collect a promissory note. those fucking words out of That their there was a, a, a check that was written they... to, a bad check written to uh, blacks in this way. country. And that uh, we are owed. And that was very clear. And this was, he was saying, I have a dream. And this was his dream, but the dream was way off. We weren't there. And in, to get there, we had to deal with this stuff. And that, uh, when they do that, that, oh, yeah, Martin Luther King said that, uh, I would, you know, that people should be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Therefore, we, we shouldn't discuss our history and we shouldn't have affirmative, react, uh, affirmative action. Martin Luther King was for affirmative action. Of course, of course. You know, I think this is part of a bigger issue that Democrats face. And that's that when it comes to messaging, Democrats are, A, always on the defense, always responding to the prevailing narrative put out by Republicans. But B, even when they do control the messaging, they're very bad at it. They <laughs> like are. You, you had a great joke where you said that the prototypical Democratic bumper sticker would spell out some of the message and then well, say, continue, I'll, I'll, continued I'll on next bumper <laughs> All our bumper stickers end with continued on next bumper sticker. <laughs> right, yeah. And you know, yeah, it's, we're... We're just not good at it. Um, you know, it's easy to point out that we're bad at it. Frank Luntz came up with um, the death tax. That's brilliant, I guess, you know. And uh, we used to have every the Senate, we would do a uh, Senate retreat, a Democratic Senate retreat every year. And we go to some conference center or something for the weekend. And it would be, it was always we were focusing on message. <laughs> And most of these things were really not not very helpful. I remember uh, one year we had these two brothers who wrote a book called uh, Made to Stick. Made to Stick. So um, in the first night they uh, gave a presentation on their book and it was about messaging. And so they did their presentation and I went up to them afterwards 
and I said, "Oh, I really, uh, really got out a lot, a lot out of that uh, your presentation." What was the name of the book again? And they said, "Made the stick." I said, yeah. "Uh-huh, uh, made the stick." Yes, made the stick. I go, oh, okay, okay. So the next day they were on a panel discussion and uh, for during a breakfast. And so I was getting my scrambled eggs, and one of the brothers was getting his scrambled eggs, and I said to him, uh, really looking forward to this uh, panel discussion, what was the name of your book again? And he said, made the stick, made the stick. I went, uh-huh. Make it stick? Because no, no, no. Made to stick. I go. Oh, oh. Made to stick. He goes. Yes. So they do the presentation or the panel discussion, and I come up to him afterwards, the two brothers, and I said that was really uh, very interesting. What was the name of the book again? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I must have done this like ten times. Yeah. During the weekend, I remember coming down. <laughs> that evening and saying like you know i tried to buy your book online but I <laughs> and they go well it's on amazon i went no i put it in make it stick <laughs> and went, it's made to stick and i go oh made to stick yes so i you know for a joke to stick on, you gotta guys. get it yeah is basically <laughs> yeah. what the lesson from that was but we're just terrible <laughs> well, look, you know, when when the Democrats are largely legislators, right, as opposed to Republicans who focus on messaging, Madison Cawthorn came into office and expressly said that his focus was communications and not legislation, which is which is great uh, if, if your job is to govern. Should messaging and and charisma be the primary factors that Democrats take into consideration when we're running candidates? Because the Republicans 